You are listening to the 3 and D podcast. I am your host, Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ben Hogan. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm glad we're talking after a win. That was close. Uh, how, are, how are you doing? Uh, dude, today was a good day because of NBA Top Shot. Did you get in okay. the pre-order line for the next pack? No. No, I haven't gotten it. I, I I told you, I'm I've kind of just stopped. I got so frustrated. I'm like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend my time on it right now. So I spent 15 bucks on that pack uh, that you and I both were trying to get, and I got uh, a Devin Booker uh, jumper, a Zach Levine dunk, and a Fred Van Vliet layup, all for 15 bucks. So today. The lowest listed price for the Devin Booker jump shot card was $58. And everyone on those listed for $58 had already sold. Um, anything above that, nobody's really bought yet. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to, I'm just going to list it for 50 bucks because that's still a win. I paid $15 for the whole pack. It sold in 30 seconds. So no, that, that's. <laughs> Then I listed the Levine dunk for 15 bucks and the Van Fleet layup for $10. I haven't checked since this afternoon um, to see if either one of them has sold, but even if they haven't, I was able to use nine of that $50 to buy um, the pre-order of the next common pack that has um, the Memphis list on that was a John Morant layup. No, yeah, John Morant layup. A it was Xavier Tillman's first top shot. Um, I think Desmond Bain's first top shot, and then there was I think a Kyle Anderson and a D. Anthony Milton as far as the Grizzlies go in that in that pack. Um, so they're focusing on a lot of rookies in this one, so those could be kind okay. of valuable. Um, yeah. So hopefully I can land either a a Morant. The cheapest John Morant on the marketplace is sixty six dollars. Um, that makes so sense. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not spending $66 on that. Um, right. But, yeah, uh, I'm already counting down the days. There's 41 school days left in the school year uh, until summer hits. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good day. That's good. That's good. So, let's, let's talk about the positive of Houston um, because I think the, the negative of it, we can kind of uh, transition to some other stuff. What, what are some positive takeaways that you saw tonight out of the, the, the 10-point victory uh, in Houston? Uh, I, I think the obvious is De'Anthony Melton, uh, Desmond Bain, both those guys off the bench came through big for him. I mean, Jonas was incredible. Uh, 30 and 15, those were the positives, really. Uh, I mean, Ja – he had, he had a solid game. Um, I mean, it, Taylor Jenks is going to have to give Melton more minutes. I mean, the fact that Grayson Allen had to get injured for Melton, I don't think Melton gets these amount of minutes if, if uh, Grayson doesn't get injured, even if Melton was shooting the way he was uh, in his in limited minutes, it would still have gone to Grayson. And Grayson did a good job in the first game against Utah. But – I think it's obvious to a lot of people that D'Anthony deserves more minutes and maybe should be the starting two guard for the Grizzlies or at least the closer, or they need to figure out something for him. He needs to be in the game at critical points for the Grizzlies. 
Yeah, and I I agree. Um, I thought the same thing. It's a shame that it's taking a Grayson Allen uh, minor injury uh, for for Milson to get that kind of opportunity. Um, I, I could definitely see a scenario where they choose to start Bain uh, Wednesday night if Grayson can't go um, for whatever reason. They think that Bain and Grayson are just better shooter profiles, um, better spacing, or they just like what Milton does off the bench with with Clark and and Tyus and what he brings with those guys. Um, as far as starting goes, though, um, you know we've had this discussion at, at GBB, and, and Parker's actually working on a piece about it. I think it's more important about who closes um, these games rather than who starts. I, what I see out of Grayson is is very JJ Riddick not as far as volume, but as far as hot starts. You know, J.J., it seemed like he would go four for four, five for five in the first quarter every time you play against him. But then he could be kind of quiet for a little while, and then he might find it again at the beginning of the fourth quarter or coming out of the coming out of halftime. Um, and Grayson is phenomenal in the first quarter. Um, but it's on the nights where he's not, where he's not knocking down the shots that you you can't – he can't – double up Melton on minutes in any night, no matter how well he's playing. But especially on the nights where Grayson doesn't have it going early, Melton has to come in sooner um, and and get the bulk of those minutes at the two guard. I think Mullinax said it best on Twitter tonight. No matter if you want to start him, if you want to close him, whatever it is, he needs to get the majority of the minutes, the two guard spot. Um, and if tonight didn't prove that, in a game where we weren't winning like we were supposed to, um, he came in and scored 13 straight points for the Grizzlies in the third quarter. And is probably, besides Valanciunas, the main reason that we won tonight. Yeah. And, I mean, I get why you want to start Bain, but I think even the way he's played when he started compared to when he's come off the bench, he's better off the bench. So I I think that should be another reason why you should maybe look at starting D'Anthony Melton uh, just to see what happens. I mean, we haven't seen that, have we? I mean, I'm trying to think. Has has Melton started this season? I don't think so. I don't know. I'll, I'll pull it up. Um, maybe maybe they're just really going for DeAnthony Melton to get sixth man of the year, except for the fact that uh, Jordan Clarkson has that on lock. Yeah. So I, I just you you I think you have to at least give him a shot. I mean, come on. Why not? What I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you if, if Grayson can't go and you start Anthony Melton? You just lost to him twice. One time you you took him to the end. The other time you got blown out. And this is the best team in the league. So he has started one game this year. So I'm going to go to the game logs and see which game that is because I do not remember. It that. had to have been early in the season. Was it the game in which everyone sat? Now, I don't even remember what game that is. And it doesn't show if he starts or not. There it is right there. It is the um, – is that the MLK game? Is Was February 20th the MLK game? No, 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 no. They played Phoenix in the uh, MLK game. That's January. January. Okay, well, the, the February 20th Phoenix game that we lost by 31. Um, That's the Phoenix game. Okay. Um, he started and played 26 minutes and had 11 points. That is the game in which uh, everyone sat. That's the game, yeah, where, where everybody was losing their minds, right? Yeah, that's when the Grizzlies started tanking. Yep, <laughs> the losing culture began. Yeah, 
Because, yeah, because, um, well, they really didn't know. That wasn't that game. Now I'm looking at the box score. I mean, Kyle Anderson and Grayson Allen were out. Uh, Justice played. But they started Morant, Bain, and Melton. And in the front court was Valanciunas and Tillman. So that's a lineup we're never going to see again starting. Oh, so Dylan was hurt. Kyle and Grayson rested. Now that's a game that people were freaking out about. Yeah, that is a game. Winslow played. He was fine. But Gorgie was the, the leading scorer for the Grizzlies. That a boy. Shout out to the San Antonio Spurs coming out of nowhere. Yeah, that that that's just, that was surprising. But when he did it, it was like, okay, that fits. You know, it, he seems like a guy that will thrive under Pop. Yeah, he'll do fine. I, I thought he was going to go to a contender or the Knicks and go back with uh, Thibodeau. But the yeah. Spurs, man, I guess maybe he thinks he's got an opportunity for a longer-term role there. Because obviously they're going to move on to Jakob Pertl as a full-time starter at yeah. center. Um, and I, I think – that Jane will be a solid rotation player for them if that's what he wants to do. Anyways, um, yeah, so this wing rotation, um, it's going to be one of those things too, like when Grayson comes back, you know, Taylor Jenkins has made it obvious that, you you know, Grayson, when he comes back from injury, is going to get put back in that spot. And does he do that still – with the performance that you had tonight out of Melton, like I, I, it seems like all right. So here's a here's a conspiracy theory for you. The Grizzlies have made it known that this year is a development year, so maybe they already know what they have in DeAnthony Melton, and they're just trying to evaluate Grayson Allen on a long term basis. I don't know. I, I I can't agree with that just because of the amount of time yeah, they spent with this. It just seems like it's a stretch. Yeah, that, I think that's a stretch because of just the amount of, like I said, the amount of time that they've done that. And I heard uh, Jeffrey Wright, he was filling in for Jeff last week, and or I guess it was Monday and Tuesday, and I heard him talking about uh, that, you know, Grizz Twitter or fans don't need to be harping on every decision made by Jenkins, especially when on closing lineups and everything like that. Cause you know, every game is taken a game at a time and this is a developmental year. And I can agree up to a point, but you just got a question, you know, you got to show us something like as a Grizzly fan, you got to see it. You got to show up every once in a while. Like I wouldn't feel comfortable with the Grizzlies in the playoffs. If he's doing these closing lineups, like he's been doing. Yeah. So the only way that I see Jeffrey being right on that is if Jenkins is intentionally putting guys in tough four-quarter spots to see how they can handle it or to get them the exposure to it. Um, but for me, as a developmental year with a second-year head coach, this would also be a developmental year for him. Um, like tonight, what I was looking for in the final three to four minutes was, is he going to close with Brandon Clark and DeAnthony Milton? over Desmond Bain and Kyle Anderson. And he did. And it was, in my opinion, the right choice based on the way that the game was going. Because Jeffrey's right on that point. It is a game-to-game basis. And that's that's something that, like, Bickerstaff wasn't good at. He, <laughs> he, was, he was rolling with the same guys to close the game no matter what. 
Yeah. Jenkins has seemed to have done a better job rolling with the hot hand. Um, but I we have seen, and Utah was an example, where Melton had it going, but Grayson closed the game. And it was a game that he hit a big shot in overtime. Um, that, was, I guess, that was a week ago. That was a week ago, yeah, it wasn't Monday. Utah. Um, and it was just kind of like maybe he doesn't. I don't, I don't know. Again, start starters versus closers. I think closers matters way more. Um, so, you know, Jenkins start whoever you want, but when you close, it's gotta be with the guy, the, the five guys that have been giving you the best minutes that night. Um, have we had a game where Dylan hasn't closed? I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I mean, the, the game we were talking about was the Boston game. We could go overtime. Right. When Grayson. Yeah. But like I said, I don't think that the Grizzlies would have been in overtime for Grayson to hit the big shot if Melton was in because Boston came back to force overtime. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head that Dylan has a, besides blowout victories. I mean, you know, the, or blowout losses even. So what about. But, remember, but we got to remember that for a while there, the Grizzlies did have a streak of where a lot of games were decided before the final three minutes. Like, they were blowout Eight, wins, blowout 18 losses. 18 or 19 straight games, yeah. Yeah, until the Milwaukee game right before the All-Star break. Right. Um, I, I was real interested to see how Jenkins was going to handle Valanchunas in the fourth quarter tonight because um, they were picking on the mismatches there, whether – because we, we started out trying – actually, the, I think the first defensive possession of the game, we were in a freaking 2-3 zone, uh, <laughs> number one. Number two, um, they started with uh, Anderson on Olenek and uh, Valanciunas on Jayshon Tate, and that didn't work out because Olenek had his freaking way with the Grizzlies tonight. Um, yeah. And Valanciunas is a defensive liability in the pick and roll. Um, he's a defensive liability on quicker guys. And so I was interested, I was, I was really trying to watch and see, um, is there going to be a moment where we have to go to Clark at the five and Anderson at the four um, just for the defensive purposes? Because, I, you know, we know how valuable Valanciunas is on the boards. Um, but if you take the Molinax approach and everybody gang rebounded, um, there's good. I think there's going to be times where we have to close without JV. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I just think, I think he has to start because I think Jenkins has to uh, realize the, the matchup. Like if JV has the advantage, he's got to take advantage early, yep. make the other team adjust, make the other team put their big stiff in to try and at least shut down Jonas to where he doesn't necessarily become as big of a defensive liability, at least early on. Now, late in the game, yeah, it, it's possible that, you know, both teams have their best lineup in and try to do what they can. And that may mean that Clark comes in and plays the five late in the game. But that's also on Jenkins that you got to get Jonas rolling early and make the other team adjust instead of always having to pull Jonas out because he's getting beat on the pick and roll. Yeah, and Houston had nobody on that roster that could guard Valanciunas. It, it didn't matter who was called no. the bench. They, they didn't have anybody. Um, let's let's move on and talk about another player. Um, and to transition to that, Ben, I officially have a Twitter troll. 
officially. <laughs> and it is some congratulations. It is it's 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 weird. I'm not used to it. Um, I'm still adjusting to this fact. Um, it, it's so much so that all I said last night was that I had six of my elite eight teams still in the tournament. That is all I tweeted. And my troll wants to respond with some smart aleck comment about how since I'm a coach, I must have a sixth sense. Like, <laughs> well, guess what? My sixth sense shows me so far that I'm probably going to have a perfect final four and I'm dominating the fantasy basketball league at GBB um, while winning the, um, the tourney pick them at GBB as well. So maybe I do have a sixth sense of the coach. Now I lost my, my, my matchup uh, last week because I forgot to set my lineup Tuesday. I think I lost by just a few, but if I would have set my lineups, I would have won. I'm still going to make the playoffs. Well, I've got Sean Coleman this week, and I think I'm going to issue him a challenge. If I beat him, I get to host Locked on Grizz by myself one night. And I don't if, think he's going to take that. And if he beats me, he can have three and D one night. Where am I in on this? <laughs> <laughs> You're coming with me on Locked on. All right. That's fair. <laughs> oh, so this, this um, tr- Twitter troll – um is a member of dylan brooks island so um eventually that island's gonna get too full you have to find either uh another one or uh start kicking people off like survivor you boat off the island there's there's no way that island ever fills up come on now <laughs> but let's oh, let's man, talk he's been playing Let more it, people uh, trying to by boat by plane swimming they're gonna get there prepare your ears ben hogan I have been impressed with Dylan Brooks over the last four games. Yeah, because he's been impressive. He's how been could good. you not? It, it's been his best stretch of basketball in a calendar year, um, putting it together multiple games. Um, and I got jumped on because I was pointing out that I'd rather have him shoot 62% for 25 points rather than 43% for 24 points. Um, and then he had five fouls with those 24 points and only three fouls with the 25 points. Um, and so I was just kind of like the knocks that I have on Dylan consistently is his consistency shooting and his foul troubles. Like that's what I most complain about. So when I talk about the Boston game versus the first Utah game or whatever that game was where he put up 20 uh, the 62% shooting, um, I'm going to look at the shooting percentages. Now, yes, the, the Boston game, Dylan um, put two buckets on Jalen Brown's head, um, and you could argue that he outplayed him that night. Uh, but Dylan has been good. He is, he is finding his spots on the floor and taking shots where he is most productive rather than just pulling up from wherever the hell he wants to. Um, He's he's more effective when he is jumping straight up on his mid-range or jumping towards the basket on his mid-range and not falling away. Something I noticed tonight with him on his three-point shot, too, um, when he catches the th- a three and he shoots it immediately, his percentages are much higher than when he catches it, gets set, shoots it, or catches it, takes a dribble, and shoots it. When he doesn't have time to think, it's just yeah. catch and pull, that's when the 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 muscle memory really kicks in. It almost seems like when he's too too open, it's not good for him. 
Um, and so the more aggressive early Dylan we get where he's attacking the basket or getting to his spots in the mid-range, I think the Grizzlies ceiling this season has definitely gone up a little bit if this is the Dylan that we can get going forward. Yeah, and – you know, I, I, I haven't been as harsh on Dylan as you have, obviously. <laughs> and uh, but there's a reason why he started like people, other teams, the, uh, the league started taking notice. When he was playing really good defense. On some of the elite players in the league. They weren't paying attention to his offensive game because he's so inconsistent, you know, that he. He just couldn't put it together for multiple games straight and that's when he actually started getting attention was for his defense and you know if he can put his offensive game together as well I mean that that's really you know the thought of Dylan Brooks that's always been like the thought of Dylan Brooks is better than the actuality of Dylan Brooks well now he's actually rounding into form to the thought of Dylan Brooks that everybody wants to be part of the Dylan Brooks Island Right, and I'm trying to see uh, just how many shots he took tonight. Uh, they don't have that page. Uh, let's see. Uh, so here's a here's something funny while I'm I'm looking that up. Um, he went five of fifteen, so it wasn't his greatest game, but it, but that fifteen number is that number that I'm yeah. okay with, you know. And two of eight from three, which nobody was hitting for three. I mean, Kyle Anderson, like beginning dude. of the game. Oh, three, three, like off, off the, like <laughs> right from the get go. <laughs> oh my! So I usually when I play two K, I don't play online. I don't do the my player stuff. I get the Grizzlies. I start a franchise and I just go. And I always, before I ever play the first game, I trade Dylan Brooks. And up until this year, it was always for Malik Beasley. But Malik's value has gone up a little bit, so getting him for Dylan has gone out the window. Um, so now I just trade Dylan for anybody, and I play Grayson and DeAnthony. Well, the other day I decided that I was going to start with this team as is um, and keep Dylan. So in the first three games, this man – I put him, I do it like it's in real life. I put him on their best player, whether it's Devin Booker or whoever. All three games gets torched for 30 plus points. Can you imagine the rage <laughs> that I was having <laughs> as he constantly just kept giving up bucket after bucket after bucket on the game? I was like, you gotta be kidding me. But yeah, Dylan, he's, uh, He's never going to – I don't know if he's ever going to make me a believer believer, um, but if this is the Dylan that we're going to see, I can get on board with it. Um, I might visit the island, uh, take a vacation and check it out, um, but I won't be going on any real estate tours looking to buy property. I was looking to buy property earlier this season. I have uh, – I held back on it, but I may be interested again. Oh, man. Um yeah, th- I inquired with uh, Parker and Connor Dunning. So <laughs> those two, man. Uh, let's let's talk about a theme that the Grizzlies have had here recently that we saw again tonight, and the, the slow first quarters. And I don't think it helps when it's what we just talked about: Kyle Anderson jacking three threes in the first, you know, five <laughs> possessions. Um, 
What do you think is going on in these first quarters where we're just getting smacked by double digits most quarters? Um, I, I I don't know if it's just the slow – I don't know if it's them trying to figure out things in-game. Maybe it's preparation. And like I said, at the beginning of the game, Taylor Jenkins has to realize he's got the advantage uh, down low if Jonas is going up against a you know, smaller center exploit it you know attack go after it I don't know it just seems like pretty much the Grizzlies are just gonna see if their threes falling that night and if it is they're gonna keep throwing them up and if it's not then you know they're already behind and then they're trying to figure things out and that kind of feels the way I mean I don't know I haven't looked at the stats to determine if that's it but it kind of feels that way sometimes yeah it does and it it seems like Early, they're still getting the looks that they want to get, but just stuff hasn't been falling um, recently from most of the guys. I wonder if the Grizzlies rely so much on the turnovers and getting out on the break and getting out on the run that early in the game where it's kind of slow, they just don't know how to operate. Um, like you said, we got you've got to work through Valanciunas at those points and. They're not doing that. Um, I don't know. It's not a trend that can continue, um, and you and you continue to be successful. Um, you got lucky tonight because this Houston team is um, on their way to Cade Cunningham uh, or Jalen Green or somebody this offseason. They are a very bad team. So you, when you face Utah uh, next, you come out flat like that again, you, you won't sniff the Jazz at any point in the game. No, that I mean, that's what we saw against Utah was you got down big early and you had to claw your way back. And as I put in the report card, I think time just ran out for the Grizzlies in that game. It felt like they had the momentum. They had things going. They had one more minute in the game than they possibly could have pulled it out. But you don't want to ever want to be put yourself in that situation. And they don't have an easy schedule the rest of the way. They're lucky this next week that they don't have uh, a back to back. I don't know how many weeks they have. They don't have a back-to-back, but I don't think it's a lot. And this week is one of those weeks where they don't. So they're going to have to take advantage. And I know it, they play Utah, which they just dropped two in a row to. They have Minnesota, which it should be a win. And they got Philly. I that, That's tough. Yeah. If, if they can't come out with the same uh, aggression or – passion or motivation or whatever it is to start a game um, against these teams like Utah and Philly, it's you're going to find yourself fighting for that, that tenth seed if, if that's what you're aiming for rather than comfortably uh, being in that play-in tournament, which I think they can be. Um, I think the, the Grizzlies are good enough to be comfortable um, in, in that position. I think it's, I mean, it's a tight race down there at yeah. the bottom of the West and, um, we're, we're expecting Jaron Jackson Jr. back. Finally, we have answers. Um, <laughs> kind Pretty of. much. Sure. <laughs> he said by the end of April, so we're all looking at April 28th as, as the return of Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I'd be, I, honestly, I think I'd be shocked if he came back before that April 28th game. Um, they just said end of April to give them all the leeway um, for whatever. I don't know. Um, I've never heard of a meniscus repair being eight to nine months. 
um, I've heard of the repair, not the um, removal, the repair being six months. Um, so this eight to nine month window is, is new to me. Um, but again, he's so young. This is not our championship window. Do what you got to do. If the Grizzlies are still hovering around when he gets back, the NBA better watch out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge, especially if the Grizzlies are able to hold on to the playoff. Like, going into the playoffs, I'm just worried about, at that point, the minutes restriction. You know, you get back to back. I'm really worried about that because a lot of people are going to be really mad when the Grizzlies are playing in the playoffs or playing to get to, you know, they're in the, the play-in rounds or they're doing that. And they're like, well, we got minutes restrictions for Jaron. So he's going to play like 22 minutes. He's going to play 18 minutes to get his legs underneath him. Are people <laughs> going to be that happy? Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, it, it, it's just nuts because you've got a 40% shooter on six threes per game and a excellent defender um, coming onto your roster, and you're already better than every team but, like, four in the East, and then you're you're hanging in there with the likes of, you know, Luca and Steph and, and those – and the teams that they're carrying. Um, I would not want to be any team that sees Memphis in the play-in with, with a healthy roster – and I would not want to be the team that sees Memphis come out of the play in into seven game series um, because they they saw what it took last year facing the Trailblazers. Um, getting into that play in game last year was important for that very reason. They saw Lillard take it to a different level. Um, they saw the intensity of what a playoff basketball game looks like last year. Um with an improved Milton, a defender in Winslow, uh, Jackson being relatively fresh legs by that point, uh, the Grizzlies, I think, could be a problem for some people in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I put in the report card after the first Utah game, I was like, man, that was fun. You know, it had a playoff, playoff-like feels to the end. Things got chippy. You wanted to see that. You had uh, you had Utah on the ropes. I mean, they were they were doing everything they could to, you know, battle it out to win that game. And like, I don't think the Grizzlies are gonna can beat the jazz in a seven game series. I don't even think that they can take them to seven games. I do think they can steal one, maybe even two, but they're going to make Utah work. And they showed that without Jaron Jackson. And that's why I was like, I'd be fine with a, a seven game series against Utah because these two teams, they feel like they're going to go at each other. Dylan Brooks is going to be all over Donovan Mitchell and Mitchell is going to take it personal just like he did in the second game of that back-to-back he destroyed Dylan in the second game and you get to see the passing against the future you know you got Mike Conley John Moran there's storylines there so it would be fun I don't I don't know if there's a a situation where the Grizzlies can get a first round matchup if they do get past the playing round to where you say I think they can win it's a little different than when they were the eight seed and knocked out the Spurs all those years ago because I don't think this team is quite ready to make that next step. They can't beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. They can't beat the Clippers in a seven-game series. They can make them work in a game series. Who on Utah can guard Jaron? 
I don't know that. So it, a healthy us against Utah is is a matchup that I am a fan of in our favor. Now, not Los Angeles Lakers because Anthony Davis owns Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he has sunned him every time that we have played. Um, the Clippers, you know, Paul George and Kawhi, they're – they're different kind of players. Unless we have playoff P, then you know, maybe you got a shot against uh, <laughs> the Clippers. There you go. That's true. That's true. I didn't um, think about that. Denver, I mean, I, there's not a team besides the Lakers where I'm just like, we don't stand a chance against. Um, and the Lakers are not going to be the one seed. They're going to be way too much time without LeBron and AD. Um, they're going to be slipping down, maybe even losing home court with, a, with the play of yeah. Phoenix and yeah. Utah and Denver, and the Clippers. Um, it, the West, man, is is absolutely nuts. Um, I, I, I forgot about Phoenix, and I don't know how I could forget about Phoenix, but, like – They're legit. Do think, yeah, but I do think that there are that if, – if the Grizzlies – that is a situation where I do think the Grizzlies could possibly knock out a team in the West. If they if they get that 7, what, 7-10 matchup. Right the 10 seed and they they win i don't think they're getting seven but i can see them get the 10 and beating the seven and then facing phoenix at the two but you gotta yeah. look at it too who on phoenix it's jay crowder and chris paul that have any experience in, in that kind yeah. of battle the ayton hasn't been there bridges hasn't been there booker hasn't been there um so it, it again i think the lakers are the only one where i'm just like you know, let's let's get one or two, build some momentum heading into next year, and I still think Utah's a six, uh, six at most. I, I just they're they're playing so good. Oh yeah, they're. I don't know. I just that. I don't think that the Grizzlies would would have a chance in yeah, that series. I, I think Donovan Mitchell's going to have a personal vendetta out for Dylan every time now. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see Wednesday. Oh, I don't want like Devin Booker ever since you know. Uh, Brooks shut him down earlier this season. Booker, it feels like he's got that circled on his calendar. I'm playing Dylan Brooks tonight. Okay. <laughs> All right. You got us some uh, bet the bear stuff for this week? Uh, yeah. Uh, the Grizzlies are playing Utah on Wednesday night. They're playing Utah um, in Memphis this time. They played Utah the last two times. Both of those games went over on the total. Uh, the Grizzlies actually um, won against the spread, the first one, and that was only their fourth, the Utah's fourth loss at home against the spread. But they'll be on the road, and they're 13 and 11 against the spread on the road. Uh, that'll that'll be interesting. Uh, they're over under is 22, 22 and one. So I would say, you know, like I said, the previous two games with the Grizzlies, they both went over. So take that for what you will. Uh, Minnesota, they are one and four against the la- uh, spread in their last five games. They are also playing in Memphis. Uh, the total has gone over in 10 of Minnesota's last 15 games. Uh, Minnesota is just not very good. It just really depends on what the, sp- what the spread is. But against the spread away, they are 9-13-1. And, and then they are 24-22 and on the over-under. And then Easter Sunday, the Grizzlies travel to Philly, take on the Sixers. Philly 16 and 7 at home against the spread, 24 and 22 on the over under. So it seems like Vegas is kind of caught up 
with the over-under on games because, I mean, if they're going 500, you know, it's kind of hard to gauge. You can't really just get on a heater betting one team over, one team under at all times. So that's that's kind of what I've noticed a little bit with the betting uh, on the NBA is like it seems like Vegas is caught up on the over-under stuff. But uh, there's still teams that, you know, like Utah, Grizzlies were lucky to get one against uh, against the spread. If you bet on the Grizzlies in the first game, you were lucky to get a win there. But congrats to you. Um, I personally lost that game, so I kind of doubled down the next night because I knew there was no way that Utah was going to do that two nights in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so three-game week um, from podcast to podcast. What we think in one and two is is most likely scenario? Yeah, uh, Philly will be – I'm guessing Embiid will still be out. But I don't necessarily know if that's really going to make that much of a difference. They're four and one in their last five games. I'd like to say two and one, but I think one and two is most likely. I think we nailed the two and two uh, last week for this week. We kind of figured they'd lose both Utah games, but then also, you know, it's the Grizzlies. Like, <laughs> like if they would have won that first Utah game, they would have lost tonight. So, and if they go one and two this week, we expect it. But if they went two and one, we also wouldn't be surprised. Right. Oh, and three, I think, is that would surprise me. Three and oh definitely would surprise me because that means you beat Utah. Yeah. And Philly. But still, Utah, just after those last two games. Yeah, who knows? You would hope that you can get some momentum from this game, although when you, when you, have to go all four quarters and play hard against a team that you should have put away early. Um, is there really momentum to be had? Um, who knows? They need to also gonna be down a starter, possibly, possibly, but that could be a positive. Like, I hate to yeah. say that because I love Grayson, but the performance that Bain and Melton both played well, um, they both yeah. play that well against Utah, then it could be a good thing. Who knows? All right, you got anything you want to throw in there before we hop off? No, uh, I think it's uh, it's nice to be talking about good basketball still and uh, actually getting a date on – well, not a date, but, you know, kind of like a timeline or an estimate on Jaron Jackson Jr.'s return. And uh, also, uh, real quick on the trade deadline, I'm really not surprised with what the Grizzlies didn't do. No, yeah. Right. There's no point. Yeah. No, and I don't think any of the trades really impacted the Grizzlies that much either. Um, I, I will say this. I will say – Oklahoma City adding more draft picks maybe. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chicago games got tougher. Um, yeah. The Denver games got tougher. Um, and then there was somebody else that uh, got easier. I mean, the Houston game was supposed to be easier. Um, well – <laughs> Yeah. So there's there's some matchups that I think um, affect you, but as far as like something drastic that affects your potential playoff seating, I'm with you. I don't think they really had all that much effect on what the what the Grizzlies are, are looking at doing. So Miami got tougher. <laughs> yeah, you don't say. That's who they have after uh, after Philly. I don't know, man. So. They might have gotten weaker. You see Kelly Olynyk tonight. That's true. Well, they didn't know how to use them anyway, so that, that's all. <laughs> Forget Bam Adebayo. You need Kelly Olenek. 
<laughs> it was the key piece. Yeah. But they trade away. They're going to start. They're just a free fall in the East. It's all because Kelly Olynyk's out in Houston. Nobody's paying attention. Can you imagine being Avery Bradley signing with the Heat for a playoff run and getting shipped to Houston? <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. That is the worst. That's why you got to put no trade clauses in your in your contracts. Yeah, that's uh, he might have a new agent right now. Golly, and and he's not getting a buyout. He's like he's being held hostage in Houston. Yeah, I mean, I well, it's almost as bad as Al Horford, I guess. Well, Al Horford is going to get traded in the offseason to the team of his choice, pretty much. Still, I mean, he's just getting paid to not play. Like he's well, I mean. I mean, Hello, I, I'd Andre love Iguodala. Iguodala. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you got to try Top Shot one more time. You, you got to go for it one more time. It's a $9 I may try pack. I, I, I may try this. I may try this week. When When is it? When do they go on sale? Um, Next week or no, tomorrow? They've already, they've already started the pre-order uh, to get in line for it. And so um, I got in line, got my pre-order. I don't think they come out till like April 7th. Okay. So it, you should have got an email if you signed up for Top Shot saying that the, the new packs are, are ready for pre-order. Yeah, uh, I'll, check my, uh, I'll check my email. And if any of you listeners have a John Morant that you just want to get off of for cheap, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For Ben, I'm Justin. This has been the episode of the 3 and D pod.